The winter meetings are on. Bench coaches are being hired. The Hall of Fame is announcing voters. We're going to talk about all that in this episode. Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon. And we love talking about baseball. Episodes dropping Thursday morning, as, as we normally do, and by that time, as we record here on Sunday, we're going to know some stuff we don't know right now. Oh, the winter meetings will be well underway, and we'll have it, and I think, you know, not even, you know, besides that, we'll have a pretty good idea, I think, with the Hall of Fame voting that's starting to go on. I think we'll start having a clearer picture by Thursday of where it might be going. Well, we have the, what you have is the uh, Contemporary Year Committee, which you've already talked mm-hmm. about, um, is going to announce their candidates, uh, I mean, their winners, um, and who got in, um, and the Guys we talked about, you know, were uh, Pinella and Gaston and Jim Leland and Davey Johnson, Bill White, Joe West, Ed Montague, and Hank Peters. So I, I think there's a general thought that, you know, a couple of guys are going to get in. But because it's only a 16-person committee, you really don't know. they got to get 12 of the 16 votes. Right. i got to think only two of them at most is getting in. And, and as we talked about in our podcast, there are two umpires on there. And, and I read something by um, baseball and MLB historian John Thorne. And he feels the way that I do, which I was happy to see, which is, I don't know what the big deal is about all these umpires in the Hall of Fame. Do we really need umpires in that minute? Like, like really? The best umpires are the ones we don't notice. He, he basically wrote what I said, and I'm like, okay, so I'm not the only one that feels this way. Good. Um, and, and the Ford Frick Award will be announced at the end of the winter mm-hmm. meetings, and that's, I think, on like Thursday or something. And that's like a that. broadcaster award? Well, that's a broadcaster award, So uh, and, and we're, we're very stoked because our own Gary Cohen from here in, in, in New York with the Mets is up for the award. But this is just like an award that they give out, like... Like a, like a like a MVP essentially. Um, you get you no, know, you're voted. Okay, you're voted. And so uh, Joe Buck, who's mm-hmm. been been doing baseball a lot longer than than I thought, twenty five years. His dad obviously right. was the baseball guy, and he's now a football guy and a baseball guy and an everything guy. Uh, Joe Castiglione of the Red Sox, who's been there forever. Uh, Jacques Doucette, I mentioned the Montreal guy who coined some phrases. That's the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Hamilton, longtime play by play. Ernie Johnson, senior. Um, who who hasn't has been around for a while? Ken Korach of Oakland, Mike Krukow, and Dwayne Kuyper of San Francisco, mm-hmm. and that's a weird thing because they're boothmate partners for the Giants, right? And chances are, if you're going to get in, only one of them is going to get in, and like if one of them gets so in, if you, the other, if you the, win this, you're in the Hall of Fame. Yes, in the oh. Ford Frick Award. Right? Oh, okay, I didn't realize that. And Dan Schumann, Schumann, the uh, Toronto guy and Major League Baseball guy, is another guy who's up for the award. Be cool if Gary won. All these guys are really viable. So, right. I, I, so I, with I only I one mean, of them getting I, it, I don't know how they do that. I guess it's the same thing. You have to get a certain amount of votes from the 16 voters. You need 12, I guess, right, uh, to be named. So that's going to be tough with that group on there. Yeah, they, uh, and, and there's I, a lot of deserving vote getters there and, and a lot of the giant fans are like you know well if one goes in the other guy shouldn't go in because i only want to go in with my partner or something right. like that and i kind of like that whole like thing. no like, i want to go in with him that i got going on so um this week um i got to vote for the hall of fame somebody special yeah, i'm so special well actually as an ibwaa that's internet oh. baseball writers association the the organization is international no no oh. no and so it's it's everybody in that collectively everybody votes and then they get to put in one ballot oh, uh, based, on, the based on, on how many guys we voted. So I, I sort of kind of have a vote. Um, what I liked about what they did is they, they allow you to pick 12 guys. Mm-hmm. And, and the regular ballot, you only can pick 10. And we've railed on this podcast for a while about guys that pick four or six or something like that. I, I don't know. If you're going to have guys stay on the ballot, you know, if you, unless you really don't think he's a Hall of Famer, obviously don't right. vote for him. But there's a lot of guys on this ballot. And I picked 12. And it came down to... Um, there were three Phillies and one Met mm. that I put 
at, at when I, to, for three spots. Ooh. So four guys for three spots. I mean, I, 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 you know, as I always do, I picked Sheffield and Ramirez and all. You picked all the steroids, all, all these sinful seven, as I wrote in my recent article, guys, or sinful guys. Um, and I picked Helton, mm-hmm. uh, and I picked uh, Adrian Beltre, yeah. sure, and all that kind of stuff. And Joe Maurer, mm-hmm. I picked him as well. So I thought, well, you know, who do I? So I really want David Wright to stay on the ballot. David Wright, Chase Utley, Jimmy, Jimmy Rollins, and Bobby Abreu. Now, now, none of them are in their last year of eligibility. This is important. No. <laughs> so, um, and I, you know, I've come around on Abreu a little bit. I think I can keep rating him higher and higher right. over time. He, he of that group is probably the, the one that's most deserving. I kind of agree. And so I kind of went back on it and I kicked out Rollins wow. uh, and I put in David Wright uh, and I, and against my uh, frustrating better judgment, I left Chase Utley in there. And, and, I, and if, But I feel like if you're going to say Chase Utley is a Hall of Famer, it makes it a lot easier to say David Wright is a Hall of Famer. Now, Jimmy Rollins had a MVP season mm-hmm. and he has some all-time shortstop stats you know, hitting and fielding is, Unfortunately wise. for him, when he played shortstop, there were guys. A lot of good shortstops. A lot stops. of good shortstops. That's an excellent point. I think that and he Utley, probably does suffer from that. Utley doesn't suffer from that. If anything, he benefits in that there were not great second basemen playing when he was playing. And, and, he and was probably the best. Do you think that, do, do I make too much of, of, of B-War uh, when you think about that Utley has a 65 B-War and, and Rollins has 44? And that was kind of, if I had to treat them equally, that almost was enough for me to say. Well, if anything, that just speaks to what we were just saying. That Rollins was not that much better than his peers in the same way that Utley was better in comparison to his peers at the same position. I think that's a, that's an excellent point, and I and I and it's not that I don't like Jimmy Rollins, and I think and, it's and that I just think there uh, are other guys in the Hall of Fame right. that shouldn't be there in some respect because he I think would be better. I think Utley's problem is that the Hall of Fame is generally like were you the best player at your position in a given era. Rollins might be the fourth or the fifth best shortstop from that era. A lot of those guys were in the American League. It was the problem at the right. time, right? So not that many in the National League. Against them, but still, the, what league you're playing in doesn't matter for the Hall of Fame. Whereas, can you think of any second basemen that were better than Chase Utley from that time period? Uh, not contemporarily. Not yes. really. Yeah. So, yeah. I think yeah, I think that makes sense. So um, and and a lot of things. This this led me when uh, when we started this thing, we started talking about all the the hiring of bench coaches. You and I were just having a conversation, mm-hmm. and so it made me think about okay, so bench coaches, like what do they do? I, I don't remember there being bench coaches when I was a kid, which is a long time. Well, they ago. definitely <laughs> existed. I think they so so come to find that they really didn't get. They do go back in part because I mm-hmm. think you know Christy Matthewson was supposedly you know and uh, they, used they, in that fashion. Different that. things, right, right. But it wasn't until Ted Williams took the helm in 1969 of mm. the then Washington Senators, and so Ted Williams never managed anywhere anyway. And, and it's one of those things when you put a guy who's a great player and you make him manage the team. It, it's, it's like Magic Jones, Johnson and Larry Bird trying to coach Didn't basketball. Really work. But you'll just do it this way, and you know, and you'll be amazing. And like, like, no, you're Larry Bird, you're Magic Johnson, you're Ted Williams. I can't be that amazing because you're that amazing. That's why you're the guy, <laughs> right, right. So they needed. He wanted a bench coach in there to help him with strategy and stuff mm-hmm. like that because he hadn't been a manager. And so a lot of people feel that was kind of where it started, but mm-hmm. it wasn't like they were regular bench coaches. Now, and what, what what does a bench coach exactly do? 
um, and I, I put this out recently, I, I, aside from not being sure, I, I think of him like the way I think of the Billy Crystal character in Analyze This, you know, the, the, the Robert De Niro movie where he's a mobster and Billy Crystal is the, is the uh, psychoanalyst. Uh, and so he was his consigliere. He would just consult with him. And that's what the bench coach is. He's the guy they're saying, you know, um, as, as Brad Osmus was talking about, he just got hired by, by Aaron Boone. He goes, mm. so I, I know, you know, I, I know Aaron Boone a little bit. And so the way I look at other managers is, is he doing something I think is strange? That's how I evaluate other managers. And I never saw Aaron Boone do something that I thought, huh, I wonder why he's doing that. Am I missing? And that's what I would ask my bench coach about going, am I not seeing something that he's doing? That or, or, or is he being like, why are you doing that? Right, right. And so he goes, so I never saw Aaron Boone do that. So I was happy to go work for him because I, obviously in his uh, mind. Clearly he's got it. He's got it put I, together. I, I feel, so so they didn't really come about until they, I guess the Times used an article on in 1989 where they called a bench coach. But I think even... Even beyond that, it wasn't really that big a deal. I think it's become a bigger deal as teams have had more international players in having a bench coach that spoke the same language as maybe anywhere from a third to a half of your team, especially when a lot of managers didn't speak any Spanish, probably became a lot more valuable and important. That's a great point. I think it's a a requisite. If you want to be in baseball, if you want to work in baseball – you better speak Spanish or have somebody on your staff that does better if you do it better if you do it. Right. So, yeah, I, I think that's, that's very true. And, and so, uh, and I also think you're seeing a rise in bench coaches because it's a way to keep guys in the game. You're, you're seeing more and more baseball players that have grown up in a system where all they've done is basically play baseball year round from the age of like 10 until they're 40 and they finally retire staying on being a coach having all of these extra coaches positional coaches hitting coaches is just a way to keep some of these guys employed and part of baseball and and so you know go, coming up you know that when i was a, a kid watching baseball the third base coach was kind of like the most important coach outside of the manager mm-hmm. like if the manager got thrown out of the game the third, a lot of time the third base coach would become the manager so okay so they that. would have like those were the three coaches right the first base coach then you had a pitching coach you probably had a bull yeah i know you had a bullpen coach because they were all the way down there you had to have somebody keep him company and yeah and just you know keep in control of them <laughs> and but you didn't have maybe you didn't really have a hitting coach you didn't have like support staff you didn't like have an did. assistant hitting coach which the no. teams have now now they're nutritionists to have you have nutritionists you have base running coaches mm-hmm. you have fielding coaches and sometimes like joey Core for the Mets did this year. He he functioned as both the infield coach and the third base coach. So you know, I don't know if he got more money for that, but you know, he was doing double duty. Well, now he's not with the Mets at all. So uh, and you could have a catching coach, mm-hmm. and then you have it's it's got to be pretty crowded in there by now, right? Because there's a lot. It's a lot of people right, who aren't right. playing. Or Plus, there. then you probably have a, a sports psychotherapist <laughs> employed by all the teams. I don't know if he's in there during the game or she's in there during. But the But they're game, definitely by the way. there at the facility. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so th- th- there's all these people around the team that have jobs. To your point, and it keeps players connected to the game because the guys that are on the coaching staff and the not guys uh, that are on the coaching staff, they are not part of the major league baseball players association. So whenever there's a labor problem, like there was last year and stuff like that, all of a sudden the guys who are supposed to be putting their arms around the players and nurturing them like their management. Right. It's not quite the same. Can't talk to you now. I'm management. Right. Yeah. You're, you're just like, oh, we don't look at you're you. You're the bad guys. now. Yeah. I'm sorry. I can't talk to you, you know, manager, whoever, I, I, you know, because you're on the other side and we're the players and you're the bad Time guys. To separate. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's kind of weird. And mm-hmm. there's, there's no pension plan for these guys or anything like that. So they basically, the fact that there's more jobs being created out of the salary cap. 
right? So none of the coaching staff, right. you know, things comes come off the salary cap. So if you're going to spend, I don't know, what did Council get? Four million a year? I think that's the most ever for a manager. But it was eight. Oh, you're right. It was eight. It was eight. So maybe that's the only team where they could, the Cubs could be spending $10 million on their staff. coaches and managers. Cause I don't think too many people are getting paid half a million bucks to be a batting coach or something like that. They're probably being paid decent though. But, 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 but not that much. So, so let's say I had 10 million in my head as sort of like, wow, that's, and if you know, if you're going to spend 280, 300 million on your team, what's another 10? What's $10 million, particularly when it doesn't count against the salary cap. Right. <laughs> so I, that's I, just the cost of doing business. I, I think that's why, as you say, bench coaches, but the, the added importance of these bench coaches seems to me to be something that I didn't like. Like, oh, it's really important to have this guy there more than it was 20 years ago. Well, it's like the same way about this. It's like, do you really think that they're talking about special things at the winter meetings? <laughs> um, no, no. Well, because what I what what I mean by that is that special things, the special things, right? It's not anything special. Like we, we just add importance to it. So now, now that we needed to talk to something, and now that we know, and we have the ability to report so much more on baseball, and we have to have content talking about baseball on the daily. Well, okay. Well, we need to add people into the narrative. The bench coach gets added into the narrative, and now he's talked about. Like the average can't fan can really, you know, quantify his contribution to the team. When in reality, we can't. He's just another coach on the team. But we need to talk about it the same way we all are going to act like something special is happening at the winter meetings, other than it just being a convenient way to thrust baseball back into the main sports narrative. The same way that, you know what all they're going to be do, doing this week? Talking about where Shohei Otani is going to sign. And, I, and, I, and that's probably the biggest thing that will will maybe come out of this week. As right. I, I think it will. Um, and it seems like, you know, there's always like a deal or two or a couple of deals that are talked about. Maybe maybe they happen. Maybe they didn't. Last year we had the whole Carlos Correa thing. Mm going on um and so that that keeps people talking about baseball at a time right, exactly. when we're not talking about baseball in the same way you need to ca- you know you have to you're the mlb network you have to fill 24 hours of content in season screw it we'll talk about the bench coach for some team for a little while maybe that that's something we can spend 15 minutes on but it's not like these I, – I keep thinking about the deals, right? We have the deals on that. Maybe we'll hear today on Sunday about Shohei signing with a team that will allow other things to happen right. because he signs and other free agents maybe can get signed over the next whatever period. But I, I, it's not like these fo- folks aren't in touch when they're not at their winter meetings. So to think that the only reason it's happening is because we're coming together for the winter meetings, we're going to make a deal, is a smokescreen for let's just talk about let's baseball. talk about baseball because obviously you know, the winter meetings now and we're expecting a whole bunch of dominoes. And then that also allows us to start – you know know forecasting what we think is going to happen next season because if all of a sudden you're like well wait a second the Mets have signed Yamamoto and Jordan Montgomery but the Cubs have added Otani the Dodgers didn't really seem to go out anybody what's that mean for the NL West are the Diamondbacks going to be on top boom you've got a whole bunch of content just to farm out of that that you can last you because we're what a hundred days until a little over a hundred days before the first game before the first game the first game between the Dodgers and the Pirates on March 20th 2024 in South Korea Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's where we kind of you know look out on the horizon and say, wow, we're going to have games that count in, in a little over 100 days. That's amazing. Right. So baseball will be back sooner than you think. Right. So you don't have to get that far. So a little bit of baseball news now with the winter meetings gets you through to the new year. And then you pretty much just have to vamp through January. And then, boom, it's February and spring training is coming. 
Right, and and so the winter meetings have been around for a long time, and and they, I think they started officially in 1901, and they had them before that a couple of times. People would get together, but that was the first year of the American League. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I looked in, 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 I think it was Baseball Reference or Wikipedia, but they don't really report that the first winter meeting happened until 1926 in terms of its location. So I don't know what they did those first 25 years, where, they, where it was or what happened, but they said it was an annual event mm. starting in 1901. And I can just imagine what like a 1940 winter meetings was you know hey jim how you know did you get in how's the train you know definitely a boys club <laughs> yes yes and cigars and, and oh yeah and, and maybe even alcohol could have been involved uh, just so, a bit of it so so i i think it's not that anymore although i do think there's a camaraderie there um and i heard uh, i heard it said this week a number of times going if you can get to the winter meetings and uh we have kelly what, kelly's like down fan? there this week as as a, as a fan you can he's it was suggested you can be there you'll see people you run into people and 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 and, and uh, I just seems so strange to me. Like, what? Well, I'm gonna go walk around and go be like, oh, there's, there's, you know, look, there, you know, is it Shohei isn't walking around there? By the way, it's Billy Epler. <laughs> oh my God, it's David Stearns. So if you, you know, but if you were invited to the winter meetings and you got to go to panel discussions and, and things like that, I think maybe would be, I'd go. would be interesting. There's 300 vendors that show up, so they sell all kinds of stuff to the teams and to the people that are there. And even though it's an MLB thing, I think people from all of baseball sort of use this, and it's great for Nashville. Oh right? yeah, in the middle, you know, in December they got all these people coming in, something to talk baseball. about. And and Nashville is a candidate for expansion. Oh yeah, they hmm. are. Let me think about that for Let's a second. Let's lobby all those out team so owners. So does that every mean that the, the winter meetings will be be in portland next year or, or yeah. I, I, it could be it could be yeah, so i i think um you know they they don't mean very much other than it gives us great stuff to talk about right and obviously we with, with the biggest dominoes yet to fall it's difficult to forecast free agency too much because so much of the money is going to be tied up until otani goes and and Yamamoto goes. I think once those two guys go, you're going to see a lot of deals happen very quickly. Yeah, and and, and right because pe- teams are slotting right now. They're trying to figure out where, how far do we have to go because it's kind of an over payment in some respects mm-hmm. for some of these early pitchers that went off the board so you're worried that that's the way that it's going to be like all of a sudden you're going to have to pay way way too much right, but, but you're also thinking that part of those teams overpaid to get a guy locked in at this time i'm trying to see so they don't last year the winter meetings were in san diego so that had nothing to do i don't see portland on this list at all so it would, would be really interesting it, it, yeah if they <laughs> change it all of a sudden and portland comes out of nowhere or charlotte right that's yeah. another another place they're talking about expansion so um and, and i don't think it'll be in oakland though no so uh anyway um we will have much to talk about after this week i guess uh, in next uh, right. week's podcast we'll, we'll kind of do a recap we'll be able to kind of start digging into the winter meetings with some of the bigger bigger sightings that we're seeing and obviously if anybody out there wants to reach out to us about the signings you're excited about or are are hoping to see your team come through we love hearing from you thank you for you know listening for reaching out and communicating us we love hearing from you yeah yeah and if you have uh, any idea of where the winter meetings were from 1902 to 1925 because i couldn't find anything on where those meetings were like you know somebody's garage or something i I have no idea so they said it was annual and they didn't they have a list you can find a list for every year after that and it's been in new york a lot of the times and all that stuff so um but maybe it'll be in portland next year but we won't be going thanks for listening subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform follow us on twitter almost cool 